You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are starting a brand new sermon series that we're calling Life Together. And I could not be more excited for this series because in this series, we are talking about something that outside of your personal relationship with Jesus might be the most important part of your life. We're talking about something that will determine both the quality of your life and the direction of your life. We're talking about something that you need just as much as the air, the crisp, cold air that we are breathing today, and that is your relationships. Now, it doesn't matter who you are. We all need relationships. It doesn't matter uh, where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're uh, like, like your personality type. It doesn't matter if you are an extrovert or an introvert. Introverts, listen to me. You still need relationships. Like, it doesn't matter your Enneagram number. It doesn't matter your age, your stage of life. You need relationships. And in this series, we're going to talk about the importance and the necessity of this word community. And my goal is to convince you from God's word that life is truly better together. But here's the tension And I understand that there's a lot of tension around this subject of relationships and community. Number one, relationships are stinking hard. Come on, get get an amen from the church. Don't look at anybody, don't poke anybody. But relationships are hard. They're just hard. On one hand, they can be the most life-giving things in our lives. And on the other hand, they may be some of the most heartbreaking things in our life. Relationships can be our greatest source of joy in our lives, and they can be the greatest source of pain in our life. And then number two, not only are they hard, this message of life together is extremely countercultural. Because if you study what's happening in culture today, you will find that right now we live in a world where individualism is at an all-time high, where independence is celebrated, we live, in a, we live in a culture right now where the message is often, man, you got this. You don't need anybody else. You can do it all on your own. We live in a world where right now, I think it's harder than ever to have relationships because in today's culture, for you to have a relationship, you have to agree. And if you don't agree, then you can't have relationships. If you don't agree about this or that or this or that, then not only can you not have relationship, then you have to cancel them, you have to block them, and you have to actually separate yourself from them. We live in a world right now where because of technology, we are more connected than we've ever been, yet statistically, we're the most isolated we've ever been. And that's why you can have thousands of followers, but feel like you have no friends. And right now, so many of our interactions right now are online or on a screen. Many of us, we work from home. And so what used to be years ago that you would go into an office and have interactions with your coworkers and clients, now your interactions are is simply through Slack or through email or the occasional Zoom call where you have to make sure that you're put together up top, but downstairs you are still wearing your sweatpants. And that's where right now, many of us, that's our day-to-day work experience. Right now, instead of going to a restaurant 
and interacting with people and interacting with the server. Now all we got to do is jump on our phones, open up DoorDash, and all of a sudden whatever we want to eat can be brought straight to our home. Instead of going to the grocery store and walking down the aisles and doing the price check and, and doing all the different things that we would do, maybe bumping into people that we hadn't seen in a while at the grocery store, now all we got to do is open up our phone, put in an order, and then poof, somehow, some way, our groceries are at our front door. Instead of going in to Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken, the gospel bird, so good. <laughs> Instead of walking into Chick-fil-A and ordering at the counter and then ending that pleasant exchange with a very well-trained employee with a beautiful my pleasure that just fills your soul. Instead of that, now what we can do is we can just jump on the Chick-fil-A app, order what we want, and we can, even if we go and pick it up, we can sit in our car and then they tell us when it's open, when it's ready, and then we just walk in, grab our stuff, walk out, never interact, never get the my pleasure. And so that's the world that we live in right here. Right now, less people are getting married, less people are having families. An article I read this week actually said this, quote, many people today view kids as a nuisance that only hold them back from living their best life. I'm telling you, we are living right now in one of the most isolated times in human history. Over the last 30 years, 40 people, 40 million people have stopped regularly going to church. But it's not just church. In 1998, which is 25 years ago, 60% of Americans said that being involved in your community was important. And then in 2023, it dropped from 60% all the way down to 27%. And get this, in 1960, there were 10 million people in bowling leagues. And today, there are only 1.5 million people in bowling leagues. Where all them bowlers go? Listen, here, here's the truth. I studied so much for this series. And right now, here's what we gotta understand. We are living in arguably the most individualistic, independent, an isolated culture in human history. And it's having devastating effects on us, specifically with loneliness. And I'm trying to help open your eyes so that you can see what's happening right here, right now, because people are lonelier right now than ever before. Get this, in the last 50 years, rates of loneliness have doubled in the United States. Loneliness has literally been declared a national epidemic. In fact, last year, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is the U.S. Surgeon General, he put out this 72-page report entitled, Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation, the U.S. Surgeon General's Advisory on the Healing Effects of Social Connection and Community. It's 72 pages. You can go online right now and find it yourself. It's a long but fascinating read. And in this report, he actually says this, we now know that loneliness is a common feeling that many people experience. It's like hunger or thirst. It's a feeling the body sends us when something we need for survival is missing. Millions of people in America are struggling in the shadows, and that's not 
right. That's why I issued this advisory to pull back the curtain on a struggle that too many people are experiencing. His report goes on to say that lacking social connection is actually more dangerous than smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. So literally, his report scientifically discovered that it would literally be better for you to smoke almost a pack a day than it would be for you to consistently be alone. He discovered that loneliness significantly increases our risk of health problems, such as cardiovascular disease, hypertension, diabetes, dementia, and can even lead to premature death. And that loneliness is commonly connected with mental health issues, such as anxiety, depression, and suicide. And we're not even talking about what God's word says, that how, how it affects us spiritually. And the truth is, we gotta be honest. Statistically, many of us here, right here, right now, at Withrow High School, at Queen City Church, watching online, that there's many of us here today, and we are battling loneliness. I'm not naive to think that none of you struggle with this stuff. In fact, I, I believe with all my heart that some of you are here and you are experiencing that right now. Like you are currently sitting in this room full of hundreds of people, but deep down in your soul, you feel like you are completely alone. But here's what we gotta understand today. This isn't a new problem. This isn't a post-pandemic, post-COVID problem. This isn't a 2024 problem. This isn't a new problem that our Surgeon General just discovered. This isn't a Gen X, Millennial, or Gen Z problem. This is actually the very first problem. This problem goes all the way back to the very beginning. This problem goes all the way back to creation. The very first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis, where in chapter 2, verse 18, God says, you know what? It isn't good for man to be, say that word with me, alone. It's not good for man to be alone. This was the very first thing in the Bible that God said was not good. Up until this point, you read through Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, God creates something and he looks at it and he says, that's good. Then he creates something else, looks at it and says, that's good. Until Genesis chapter two, verse 18, where he creates a man who's by himself and he says, that is not good. Here's what we gotta understand today. The first problem was not sin, it was loneliness. And so we gotta understand that the first problem that humanity ever faced, it wasn't our sin, it was actually loneliness and isolation. And from that day, Genesis chapter two, verse 18, from that day until today, God has had a vision for people's lives. Let me say it more personal. From day one, he's always had a vision for your life. He's always wanted to take me and you on a spiritual journey. You'll see it cover to cover in the Bible, Old Testament and New, Genesis to Revelation. And here's how we say it around here. God wants to take you on a spiritual journey where you know God, where you find community, become a disciple, and be the church. This is the vision of Queen City Church. 
Let me say it this way. This is the vision that we have for your life. This is the vision that we have for your children. This is the vision that we have for all 2.1 million people in the greater Cincinnati area. But more than our vision, it is God's vision for your life. He wants to see you go on this spiritual journey for the rest of your life where you are more and more and more in fresh new ways going through that process. This is the vision that God has for your life. And here's what we have to understand today. A big part of God's vision for your life is being in community with other people. Listen, you will never reach your full potential alone. And that's why I believe with all my heart now more than ever that life change, it happens in the context of community. It really does. That's a fact. Life change, it happens in the context of community. And I just wanna make it abundantly clear that our church is going all in on this in 2024. That we've been in meetings for over a year saying, how can we get better at this? The culture demands that we get better at that, this. This is something that we're doing okay, but how can we do this great? And I'm saying, if we get one thing right, this year, in 2024, we want to get this right. And that's why we are so excited to launch our brand new year-round life groups that are going to start this February. And that's why unapologetically and aggressively, we are going to push you to commit to one, to make it a priority to have this in your life because we truly believe this. We truly believe that life change, it happens in the context of community. And over the next five weeks, I'm going to try my very best to share from God's word that you were made by God for relationships, that you are literally hardwired by God himself for connection and community, and that you need community in your life. Just like the air that we're breathing right now, we need community. Specifically, I'm going to help you understand that we need what we're calling biblical community. And here's our definition of that. It's as simple as we can put it is this, that you need a group of people that you're intentionally following Jesus with. You need that. You don't need to do that completely by yourself anymore. That you need a group of people that you are intentionally following Jesus with. That that's what we're trying to accomplish in this series and over this year is to help people experience biblical community. Now today, for the rest of our time, I want to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I want to share a very short message that I've entitled, Who's Holding Up Your Hands? So if you are taking notes today and you want to write down that message title, why don't you write that down? Who's Holding Up Your Hands? And we'll be looking at a story that's in Exodus chapter 17, and here's how it starts in verse 8. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Now pause, and let me just give you a little bit of context before we go any more in this story. At the, at, the, at the time of this story in Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites, the people of God, were in what's known as the wilderness. And this is the time in between being slaves in Egypt and entering the promised land in Israel. The wilderness is the time in between. And it's a huge group of people that are traveling together. Many scholars believe that there was up to one million people, including men, women, and children of all ages. And they were often, if you read through the story, especially in Exodus, you'll see that they were often tired 
and exhausted. And there was many times where God had to provide supernaturally for them things like food and water and the bare essentials just so that they could keep going. And that is the context for when the Israelites get attacked in Exodus chapter 17 by another army called the Amalekites. And this wasn't like the big battles that you see in the movies where like two armies line up across from each other in a field and then a leader charges them up and they give a loud battle cry and then they sprint at each other, meet in the middle of that field and then just fight to the death like Avengers Endgame. So like take that out of your mind. That, that's, not, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> that's not, it's like Avengers, wow, wow, assemble, ah, and then go. Like that's, that's not what's happening in Exodus 17. In fact, later in the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, it actually gives us a better picture of what happens here on this day. Here's what it says in verse 17. It says, never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt, talking about Exodus 17. Here's what it says. It says, they attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear of God. In other words, they fought dirty. Like a punk, they sneak attacked from behind, attacking the weakest and most vulnerable people who were in the back. So that's the context for what we're about to read. And then it goes on to say this in verse nine. It says, Moses, who is the leader, he commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, as long as his hands were raised, the Bible says that the Israelites had the advantage, they were winning. But whenever he dropped his hand and he could not keep it up, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Then they started to win. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands so his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua, who was leading the army on the battlefield, overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. I love this story. And before we leave today, I just want to show you two very important principles that are taken directly from this story in Exodus chapter 17. And the first is this, when you live life alone, you lose. When you choose to say, I'm good, I'll do this whole thing called life alone, you'll lose. And we see this in the story. At first, Moses tried doing it by himself, but he wasn't strong enough. He couldn't win alone. And listen, you can't either. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how put together that you are. You cannot win at this thing called life alone. When you live life alone, newsflash, you lose. And by the way, the devil knows this. The devil's not dumb. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, listen to this scripture. It says, stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And in this scripture, Peter, he actually, he actually describes Satan and he compares him to a lion. If you study how lions attack, if you turn on Animal Planet today and just find a documentary about how lions attack, you will see that they always wait until one gets isolated from the rest of the group. And then that's when they attack. That they don't attack the animals that stay within the herd. They wait until one gets disconnected and then they attack. And it's the same with the devil. Listen, the devil picks off isolated people first. But when I read the Bible, a lot of times I kind of picture it in my mind. And the first, like every time I read this, this is the picture that I get in my mind when I read this verse. It's a lion that is just hiding in tall grass or maybe behind something. And it's just hiding and it's just waiting for that unexpected victim to walk by. And when it walks by, bam, I'm going to unexpectedly come out and pounce. And that's what I picture when I, when I read 1 Peter 5.8. But that's not what it says. Go back to what it says. It says that he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not hiding. He's not in the shadows. He is sitting there screaming, this is my strategy. This is my game plan. In other words, he tells you that he's coming and he only has one move. He only has one strategy and he's been doing it since page two of our Bibles in Genesis chapter three. And you wanna know what that strategy is? get you alone. And he's screaming this strategy at us. And he's telling us, this is how I'm going to get you. Just get alone. The devil knows if he can isolate you, he can destroy you. But when you live life alone, you lose. But I want you to understand some good news today. Because number two, when you refuse to live life alone, you win. When you live life alone, you will lose. But when you refuse to live life alone, you win. And we see this in Exodus 17. Moses, no matter how hard he tried, he could not win alone. He wasn't strong enough by himself. But when he could no longer hold his hands up, the Bible says that two other people, two other friends were there to come alongside him and to hold his hands up, helping him do what he could never do by himself, and that is win. See, the only way that he experienced lasting victory was with the help of other people. And it's the same with me and you today. The only way that we can experience lasting victory is with the help of other people. Now, let me just show you a little illustration because I want you to see how this, this scripture actually plays out and this story actually plays out in our everyday life. I'm gonna ask David, if you would, to come up here and then Jared, I don't know who all you got to come up, but I want you to come up, come up here, come up here and help me, okay? So these guys are gonna help make this scripture come alive to us and I'm gonna explain it in a way where you could see Exodus 17 in them. Now, David, um, not only did he just do an amazing job leading us in worship, not only is he on our lead team here at our church, which means he's, he's an executive pastor over all the creative arts, all, all the things that you see. Um, not only that, he also, I don't know if you could tell, uh, but this man is in shape and uh, he is a strong guy. And he actually is a personal trainer. So if you, all your fitness needs and any questions, go to this man. 
and uh, he'll answer everything that you got, okay? Uh, I have the honor of working out with him a few days a week, and uh, th- th- this guy is strong. He is strong all by himself, doesn't need me, never needs to be a spot. He is strong. Do that, okay? So I want you to pick those 20-pound dumbbells up, okay, David? And then this is Garrett. And Garrett's a part of our YA crew. He's part of our team. And he serves alongside these two amazing gentlemen, Jared, who brings leadership to that area of our church. And then AJ, who also serves on our leadership team there. And Garrett, I want you to grab those 20s too, okay? So if we were just to have a just straight up strength contest, hey guys, I want you to just hold your arms out. Just do it, just do it. What's it, what's it, what's it called? Lateral raise, okay? Um, if you do that, uh, and it's just, who can hold it up the longest? I love you, Garrett, but I, I, my money would be on this guy, okay? Let's do that. Why don't, why don't we just lift these up a little bit? Let everybody see the, those veins. He gets a little veiny, he gets a little veiny. Uh, <laughs> he hates it when I do stuff like that. But we're not gonna do that, but I want you to see Exodus 17, because this was the first strategy of Moses. I'll do it by myself, so lift it up for me. So, and he could do this, but he can only do this for so long. Eventually, his arms are gonna get tired and they're gonna fall. You can go ahead and drop them. But then he maybe, he maybe can collect himself enough to be, okay, now I'm gonna get back at it. And that's what he was doing at first. But then it says that, no, he had a couple people that loved him enough that whenever, okay, when I can't do it anymore, I've got two people that love me enough to hold it up. And then that's when, this is the back half. This is the, the last half of Exodus chapter 17. It says when this happens, that they experience lasting victory. You can put that down. But let me show you how this looks in our life. Because I see this all the time when it comes to the new year. Because a lot of times what we do, because the calendar flips to a new year, we, we make New Year's resolutions and commitments and goals. Maybe it's things like, man, I'm gonna start working out. I'm gonna eat right. I'm gonna make healthier choices. And even spiritually, we make some resolutions and some goals. Like this is the year that I'm gonna live for God. This is the year that I'm gonna be consistent. This is the year that I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna go to church every single Sunday. This is gonna be the year that I read my Bible or that I read through the whole Bible in a year. This is the year that I'm gonna be a part of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we start the year and we try to do it on our own. And so maybe we can get through January, maybe February, the Bible plan gets to Leviticus and we start to struggle. But, Or we could do it this way. And we could say, okay, I have these goals. I have these things that God's put on my heart. I don't want this year to be like last year. And so I'm gonna tell some people. I'm gonna say, will you help me? Will you help me be successful? Will you not let me sleep in? Will you you ask me every week how I'm gonna do? Can I sit with you? And then all of a sudden, we actually find success in there and we're way more consistent when we decide to do it this way. See, you can put your hands down. I see this all the time when it comes to people trying not just with resolutions and goals, 
But I see this when it comes to people trying to overcome and defeat sin. Maybe for you, it's like, man, I have this, this negative, this destructive thing in my life. I know that there's this thing that I just keep going back to, that I know that's not good for me, that I know that God doesn't want me to do that. I, I, I know that this isn't God's best for my life. Maybe I'm struggling with an addiction. I can't stop looking at porn. Maybe my thought life is just so negative. I'm so critical. I get caught up in gossip all the time. I, I use my words all the time, not to build others up, but to tear people down. I find myself tearing down my family, my wife, my children, and I'm just tearing, I don't want to. I feel so much like conviction when I go to church. I feel the Holy Spirit is like pushing me to make some changes in my life. I wanna stop. And so you make a decision. Well, I'm gonna try it alone. And I'm gonna stop doing that. I'm gonna be more disciplined. I'm gonna stop doing that negative thing. And it just turns into this frustrating pattern of I'm doing good and then I have a bad day and I can't do it anymore. And it's this cycle over and over and over again. But when you invite some other people in and you make a decision, I'm not gonna keep what's in the dark in the dark anymore and I'm gonna actually bring it to the light and I'm gonna confess and I'm gonna invite other people in to my life. That's when you can experience some, some breakthrough. You can experience some wins. Think about this, James 5, 16, it says, you can experience this, confess your sins to each other, not to God, but to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. And not only do I see it in those ways, not only do I see it on like New Year's resolutions and overcoming sin, I see it when it comes to going through something hard in life. Maybe you find yourself at church today and your marriage is struggling or maybe you're under like tremendous financial stress. Maybe right now you're going through the hardest season of your life. You're face to face with an unexpected diagnosis. Someone maybe in your family just got diagnosed with cancer. Maybe you're going through a, a painful breakup. Maybe you just got laid off at your job unexpectedly. Out of nowhere, your son or your daughter is being rebellious and they're far from God. Maybe you're experiencing anxiety and depression like never before. And there's two ways that you can go through it. You can go through it like this, all by yourself. And you can only do it for so long. You're only so strong to go through those things. Or you can go through it like this, where you can say to a group of people, hey, here's what's really going on in my life. Here's what's happening. Here's what I'm walking through right now. It may not be sin, but I'm going through the hardest time in my life and everything inside of me wants to quit. But it says that you can, they can hold your hands up. Listen, any of those things, you were never intended to carry those things alone ever. Your life was never intended to look like this where you're all by yourself, holding up the weights by yourself, the weights of this world, winning and losing, winning and losing, going through this cycle over and over again. And for some of you, that's been the last decade. 
that you have lived in this constant cycle of I'm doing good, I'm doing bad, I'm doing good. Your life was never intended to look like this. It was always intended to look like this. Listen, none of us is as strong as all of us. So picturing this, listen to this scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter four, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two, they can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Thank you guys for your help. Listen, listen to me. Here's the big question that we all got to ask ourselves today. You ready for it? Here's the big question. Here's the so what. As we start this new series, let me just ask you, who's holding up your hands? When life gets heavy, when life gets hard, who is lifting up your hands? Do you have some people in your life that are holding up your hands. Like who really knows what's going on in your life? I'm not talking about your projected self. I'm not talking about what you post on social media. That's, that's your highlight reel, that's not real life. I'm not asking who knows that side of you, but I'm asking behind the scenes. Who knows that? More than who's knowing, who's actually helping you win? Who's not letting you quit? when you wanna quit? Who's not letting you give up when everything inside of you wants to give up? Who is holding your hands when you don't have the strength or the motivation or the desire to even keep them up all by yourself? This is the question we gotta answer today. Who's holding up your hands? And if you live life alone, you lose. But you refuse to live life alone. You win. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.